text this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12. We're going to read 20 through 26. So if you brought your Bible, John chapter 12, 20 through 26. If not, there's a blue Bible in front of you, page 899. And as you find your way to that, there's two books that we're giving away right now. There's not many copies left. They're in the office. And we've talked about these at different points. But Knowing God, sort of classic Christian read, sort of must read. Uh, And then Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. Uh, We talked about um, Satan's schemes. Now, this is kind of a dense book, so I don't want you to just get it and put it on your shelf so people think you're holy. Uh, We really want you to read it. Uh, So it's okay to just say, you know, I'm good for knowing God right now. That's fine. Uh, But there are some copies, and they'll probably run out today. So if you want one, you can get those after the service in the office. John chapter 20. Let's stand together as we read God's word. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servants also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You may be seated, and let's take a moment to reflect on God's word. well-known Christian hymn writer, a guy named William Cooper, wrote these words in 1773. God moves in a mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds, of never-failing never skill, skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings upon your head. So God somehow in his sovereignty, he digs down into these deep minds and he, he pulls out these treasures in ways that you and I wouldn't guess. And we can trust that when he's at work, even in the deep places in our mind and our soul, it's really for blessings. 
Since 2002, when Christ Community Church began, I have, as many of you, enjoyed a front row seat to some many great blessings, things that we couldn't have imagined. The starting of the church, I couldn't have imagined. The buying of this land, this building, uh, paying the loan off this year. There's so many different sort of tangible things, and then there's so many stories of individuals uh, the change lives much more valuable than a piece of property or a building. And we've been able to see God move in mysterious ways, but today is one of those moments in the life of Christ Community Church. It's, it's one of the most unusual events that I've experienced in the 18 years here. And so we're trying to do two things here at the same time. We're going to try to have a testimony, we're going to try to have a sermon, and we're going to try to do some information. We'll see how successful those things. You can, don't meet me at the door and say that didn't work, all right? Just email me next year. How about that? Four months ago, on July the 24th, Fred Hofflin, the pastor of Trinity Church, met with me just out in the lobby, and he came to me uh, tired And although Fred and I didn't really know each other intimately, we had been acquainted with some different times that we'd been together. I don't think I was his confidant or anything, but he called me and said, I'm going to leave Trinity Church. I've got some wounds. My wife and I have some wounds, and I'm going to move to Jacksonville, Florida, and hope that I can find some space and time to heal from the wounds that have been I've endured in ministry. And then he turned to me and said, Paul, would you in Christ Community Church be willing to receive all the assets of Trinity Church and shepherd those assets as if they were your own? And that was probably a little under 10 people that might come here from Trinity Church. It's four acres of land and a building, actually two buildings, that are debt-free, and then some other financial resources. Those are the things that he wanted to give us just as a gift, no strings attached. Just would you shepherd these people and these resources? Well, that obviously came as some shock to me. Uh, But over the last four months, Christ Community Church and Trinity have been working through all the details uh, of the plan, but also pain trying to work through the pain of it. It's painful to um, turn over your church to someone else. When Fred and I talked about it and Elaine, it felt like your child that you have to give up for adoption. You don't want to, but circumstances cause you to do that, and so you're going to hand it over to somebody and pray and trust they're going to take care of it like it was your own. So later this month, some final paperwork will be submitted. We'll wait for the Attorney General to give us a basically a rubber stamp on the agreement and uh, we'll we'll own and operate and shepherd this this gift it'll start really on December the 1st now there's quite a big story behind all this and we can't cover every detail but I can say it's it's the most unusual experience I've had if you had come to me 10 years ago and said Paul in in 10 years Trinity is going to come to you and and hand you all of its assets, I would have said, never. That's just not one of the things that could happen. 
If you had come to me two years ago, I would have said, never. That's not one of the things that could happen. But of course, when we say never, that's just a great opportunity for the Lord, is it not? To work in wondrous ways. So I want to just introduce you to Trinity quickly in some pictures. This is the, uh, the front door, and they bought this about two and a half years ago. Uh, they put a new roof on it, new AC, put in new floors, painted, put up some walls. It's really immaculate on the inside. It's beautiful, beautiful piece of property. Uh, from a little bit of a distance here, uh, it's four acres. It's really kind of two lots, one where the church is, and there's a lot over here. And you can't quite see it probably, but there's a little white roof over here on the top right. That's a house that's also on the property that we're going to own and operate now. So that's four acres. It's on Wilshire Boulevard. If you don't know where Wilshire is, there's an orientation here to UNCW. A little hard to see, but here's Trinity College Road and then UNCW. So it's maybe about a mile from the, the campus and then orientation to where we are. Here we are down here on Carolina Beach, Trinity, and UNCW. So be happy. We're going to have an open house at some point, and you can come by and see it. But just so you know where it is, perfectly located in the middle of the county in a very strategic ministry spot. And then this was a picture that we took at a gathering of folks from Christ Community and Trinity. And this was sort of their goodbye and celebration send-off that we had about two or three weeks ago together. Very special time. Um, now, Christ Community Church has created a task force, and those five people on the task force you need to get familiar with if you have questions about Trinity. Uh, Mark DeCosmaker, he's the task force leader. All these people are going to be in the lobby after the service with Fred and Elaine that you can ask questions of or say thank you to them. Uh, Mike Griffin, who's an elder, is on the task force. Louisa Belk, who's our finance director, is on the task force. Anthony Thomas, who's the head deacon, uh, and Carly Fields, who is our office administrator. So you start having questions. I know you're going to have them even in the middle of this sermon, and you're tempted to come and find me. Resist that temptation. <laughs> I know it's going to take all your energy, but swerve over to the task force, uh, because if you come to me, I'll say, man, that's a great question for the task force. Um, and really what the task force is to do is to uh, shepherd the resources for the next few months, uh, basically making sure everything's operational and we're doing all the right things as we take over. Um, and, and during that time, the leadership will be praying and casting a vision for what could be done there. Uh, so that's what's going to be happening in the next few months. I want to introduce Fred and Elaine now, ask them to come up. Fred and Elaine Hoffman, they've become very dear friends in four months. It seems like uh, we've known each other much longer than that in, in the way because we've had um, so much time together. Uh, but I thought it was important for them to share their story, for you to hear it, and then I'll, I'll pray for them after they, they speak. It's a privilege to be here and to be able to share a little bit Proverbs, we read, a man plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. And that's what we have found in this process. And I want to give a little bit of a history. Trinity became a church independent about three years ago. 
And in doing that, there were some different thoughts, different ways of approaching things. And we looked at each other and we said, well, we haven't practiced this much. Where do we find out? And we said, well, we need some connections to other churches, to other pastors. And Christ Community Church and its leadership was one of those. And then another pastor that we had connection with down in uh, Orange Park, down in Florida near Jacksonville. And we began to think, how is that we think differently? How is it that we can see that outreach into the community, that we can see our building, our resources used to further the kingdom of Christ in every way that is available to us? And as we sought to do that, as we began to connect with some different ministries, Christian Recovery Houses was one that we connected with, and they began to meet at our building every Thursday evening, and they are uh, a recovery organization focused on Christ and the discipleship of the men and women who were there. And we also were connected with Journey to Heal Ministries, that is a ministry dealing with those recovering from sexual assault. And then we also have Mentoring Men for the Master that also meets at our building. And so we began to reach out in some of these ways, and you think you're making progress, and then COVID hit, and there was lots of difficulties. And part of it was that we found out that even when you have a robust theology that is reformed, that yet it also can lead to a readiness to think we have the answers and an inability to truly come together with a kindness. And because of that, we had difficulties and our small church became smaller. And we, again, looked and assessed and the leadership discussed things. We said, where do we go from here? We had a tired pastor, we had a weary congregation, and we thought, how do we move ahead? And we thought, well, call somebody to help, have another pastor come, and we looked and we thought, that doesn't seem the best. We thought, well, is there another church that we could partner with? And Christ Community came to mind, because as we had been working through things and thought, what kind of ministry do we see? What kind of a, an outlook do we have? We said Christ Community is a church where there is active outreach, where there is a love for each other, where there is a tenderness to one another, and therefore that is where we began to pursue things. And so I did reach out to Pastor Paul, who was graciously received, and probably what I appreciated most is that he was always more concerned with myself, with my wife, with the members, than he was for the potential resources that could come to Christ Community Church. Because as he said, it's people that are more precious than any building, than any bank account. And so that is one thing that greatly encouraged us and all of the members of Trinity. And when we think about it, we can be glad that we know from scripture that the Christian life is a race, that we are called to run. But as a church, it's, it's a little different because we all are gonna drop out of that race. We're gonna be called out of it one day. And, and therefore, as a church, you can see it that it is as a relay race, 
that we pass the baton. And normally it is simply to the next generation in the congregation, but in this case it is handing that baton to Christ's community. And we are confident that this is what the Lord has led to in all the providences and the agreements in the congregation and the leadership. And therefore, that's what we have pursued, and we are delighted to be able to do that. I'm thankful to Pastor Paul for the leadership, for the pastoring that he has given to me, to Elaine, to the congregation already, and know that he and the leadership here is committed to doing that for every one of those who are members at Trinity who desire to come here. And therefore, the leadership is united in being grateful and that the Lord has made clear that this is the path that will continue the ministry, that will take the desires that we had and bring them to fruition, perhaps not exactly the way we had anticipated, as Pastor Paul had said. Uh, you know, Ten years ago, I never would have thought I'd be here. Two years ago, I never thought I would have been here, and yet here I am, and I'm thankful to be able to be here and to share this with you. And so we look forward to the Lord blessing for the sake of his kingdom, not because Christ Community Church can be bigger and have more resources, but because we want to see the kingdom of our Savior expand and be able to reach many more with the gospel that is the only way of salvation. And so it is with gratitude, with thanks, with excitement that we are at this point and look forward to moving ahead. Good morning. Um, my heart is... Pardon? Oh, good morning. <laughs> my heart is full. Um, I have notes here. I'll look down. It's not because I don't have the message in here, but as my good friend told me yesterday, Elaine, you're a natural storyteller, and once you get started, you don't know when to stop. <laughs> and... <laughs> It's a, it's a long, complicated, beautiful, sad story, and, um, and so I want to share a little bit of that with you. I want you to imagine yourself three years ago being a small church and coming out of a denomination that's rather uh, well-defined, and you find yourself a church that is now independent, and you have no idea what that looks like or what that means. But you're given a beautiful gift, and the gift is a building with four acres of land. So I want you to imagine all the conversations that took place amongst the members of Trinity at that time. The excitement of knowing that, just wondering how God was going to use this building. And like Fred has said, the two things that were clear to us that as we, we uh, became independent was we wanted two things to be different. One, we didn't want to feel alone anymore. We wanted to reach out to other churches and, and feel like we were a part, more a part of Wilmington. Second is we wanted to be a church that reached out to the community, that loved the people well, that brought the gospel into the community. And Fred and I have watched your church for many, many years. So even from the beginning, we were watching you. We were paying attention to what you were doing. We were looking at your website. <laughs> we had visited your building, so we had an idea of what we wanted the building to look like. So we walk into this new building, and it was a school that had nine bathrooms. Nine bathrooms, no kitchen, and you know what uh, the floor, a school floor looks like, the dated kind of, I don't know, the linoleum, some type of 
So the very first thing we did was to change the flooring. And my good friend Lisa Saley sitting over here, she designed that kitchen. So if you enjoy that kitchen, you think of her because a lot of, one of my favorite pictures when we, um, yeah, I took a lot of pictures during that time was of Fred and Lisa in that kitchen and they were intent upon designing it. We also hired Liz Carpenter, a member of your church to help us with the paint colors and the chairs and, and so on. And God, in many ways, the last three years gave us the desires of our heart. Fred and I did indeed reach out to a number of pastors in the community trying to build relationships. We did, he really plopped the three ministries that, that Fred told you about on our lap. It became very clear that that was what, where God, and we were able to love on those three ministries the last three years. The building was also used for Christian Homeschool Center for two years, so I was teaching. I taught there. I taught some Elijah. I saw him over there. He was one of my students. Um, and in those three years, we had three weddings. We had uh, a, a few baptisms and um, showers and uh, a talent show, colonial ball. <laughs> I choose to remember those beautiful memories. God did indeed give us the desires of our heart for, for those three years. The first thing we bought for the church, I brought with me. I'm going to show you. I can hold it up. It was funny. I was in uh, Luisa's office two weeks ago, and she has the very same thing hanging in her on her wall. It reads, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. That verse has so much more meaning to me three years later than it did when we put this in the foyer. I'm going to put it back. I'm not taking it. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at it, you hopefully will remember that. God had a plan. So two things. Yes, you can imagine we have cried many tears, and I asked the Lord to help me not cry up here. And they weren't all tears of happiness. They were tears of sadness. But I'll tell you, when God makes his will clear and plain, there is a joy, unspeakable joy that comes with that. And it, God, and like Pastor Paul said, Fred said, we can't share every story along the way, but God made it very clear that this is what we were to do. This is where it was going to end. So we rejoice in that. So it's hard to say goodbye to a dream, a vision. Trinity will be no longer, but it is a joy, and we have perfect peace in handing this gift over to you. When it looked like we knew this was going to happen, I, I, Fred and I knew that we had to have a gathering. You have to mark an occasion like this. I think there's plenty of biblical um, precedence for that. And so uh, Trinity Church invited the leadership from Christ Community to our building. Our, we endeavored to make that night beautiful. The decorations were beautiful. I hope the food was good. <laughs> it was. Um, and God answered our prayer. What we prayed is that there would be a, a knitting together of the hearts of the people that were in that room. I think one of the things that meant the most to me throughout this whole process, Fred said it, Pastor Paul, you have an incredible pastor. He loved us well. And um, I can't even tell you what a bomb that was to our soul. Not only that, we've gotten to know your leadership a little bit as well. And that night, 
when we were telling our stories and we're looking out at the people, your people, Christ community, which are going to be joined, um, there was hardly a dry eye. They felt our pain. They knew what we were going through, but they also were rejoicing in what God was doing. It was a beautiful night. God gave answered just what we had wanted to wanted it to be. So there's only one thing left for us before we leave, and that is Fred and I are going to join you in just a few weeks. Uh, not something I ever would have imagined. And um, so we're not going to be here for very long. So why are we joining? Our hearts are knit together with yours and will be for a very long time. It was important for us to leave this place being connected with a group of people that we knew loved the Lord. You are carrying on the vision that Fred and I have had for a few years of seeing the gospel go forth. I can't wait to see how what God is going to do with you. And what happens with the building from this point on will be the legacy of Trinity. Also, I have family, all of my family is in the area, and we have dear friends. We've been here for a little over 20 years. We'll be visiting a lot. You guys will be our church when we come home. I can't enough, both of us can't express enough how thankful we are for your love, and, uh, and we rejoice in what God is doing. No, you weren't too long. <laughs> the night we had our celebration, these were the few words I shared from John chapter 12. Thank you for the courage just to say that. Not long ago, I was cleaning out my garage and I found an old package of seeds, you know, from the garden I had planted the year before and you know, these poor little seeds didn't get to make it into the garden. And so I was going to throw them away, and I got a little sad. I got a little sad because I'm throwing away these seeds. They had so much potential, uh, but they weren't going to, to realize the potential. The, the, the yellow crook-neck squash that they were going to become was just going to go into the trash can. And then I thought, well, don't be too sad, Paul. I mean, what... What does a seed have to do in order to produce fruit? Well, it has to die. It has to die. And we all know this. We all see it every year in the fruit that gets produced in the spring and the summer. The way to produce fruit is through dying. Jesus actually knows this little gardening fact, and he uses it as an illustration in our passage this morning in John chapter 12. He had entered into Jerusalem. It was the last time he was going to enter in. It's the last Passover, the last supper that he's going to celebrate with his disciples. And some people know that Jesus is there, and they come find him, his disciples and say, hey, we wish to see Jesus and then through a series of conversation, Jesus actually gets involved in the conversation himself. And he comes to them and says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now you can imagine these two or three strangers that have come up to find Jesus. They go, well, not only do we get to see Jesus, we get to see him glorified, whatever that means. High-fiving each other like we picked the right time. This is awesome. 
Then Jesus uh, goes on to explain to this group of what, what glory really looks like. Verse 24, truly I, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So Jesus understands this principle that the way to produce fruit is through dying. It turns out to not just be a, a gardening truth, it's a spiritual truth as well. Jesus delivers a divine pattern that we see throughout the Bible, Moses. Moses tries to take things into his own hands. I, I want to make sure that my people are set free and these Egyptians that are oppressing my people, they've got to be put down. So he tries to do it all by himself and fails miserably. No fruit is produced. So God has to bury him in the sand of the deserts for 40 years before a massive amount of fruit is produced, as we know it as the Exodus. Jonah. Talk about somebody who has to get buried before fruit gets produced. He's in the, the utter darkness, the belly of a whale. And he has to die to all of, his, all of his desires in order for fruit to be produced, this massive revival in Nineveh. It was the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. His death actually produced fruit outside of Jerusalem. The, the interior part of the church had just been focused on Jerusalem, and his death caused this scattering of the gospel. And as we've been seeing in the book of Philippians, it was the, the beatings, the imprisonment of the Apostle Paul, a kind of a death that produced the books of Ephesians, of Philippians, of Colossians. Of course, the single greatest example of death producing fruit is Jesus. We all know that because most of us, if not all of us, are the fruit of his death. And here's a little picture in Revelation chapter 7 that gives you a sense of the, the great harvest that his death has produced. I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. It's a harvest so big you can't count all the squash, all the tomatoes from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, Christ. See, Jesus' death produced a harvest that nobody could count. The, the way to produce fruit is through dying. Jesus makes it clear through this illustration with the, the wheat falling to the ground. And then he turns and he gives a great invitation. See it there? Anyone, verse 25 Whoever, whoever loves his life, his, he's got to lose it. You've got to hate your life in this world in order for you to have eternal life. If anyone serves me, see this open invitation, whoever, anyone who wants to come and be like the seed to come and follow me and die and be buried and produce fruit. It's quite an invitation. Fred and Elaine Jesus' words are, are an invitation for everybody in this room. But I know, we, we know, that the invitation to die as a pastor and as a wife is, is unique. The thousands of small and large deaths a pastor 
and his wife endure over a lifetime of ministry can't be calculated. For some of them, when you look back, they turn out to be funny. I'm preaching my heart out on a passage. I go to the door and greet people, and I come, come through is an elder. It says, Paul, you know the best sermon I ever heard on that text? It was from someone else. <laughs> an elder, okay? I've just preached this. I've worked for 20 hours on this one sermon, and let me tell you who really did a good job on that text. I mean, I don't think they meant it the way it came across, but I, I received it the way it wasn't meant. One guy came to uh, the service and he said, I'll be judging your sermon today. I never met the guy. Probably 70. I said, great. It's coming right out of the Bible. And so afterwards he came out and said, not, not bad. Then he, he picked a card out of his pocket, a little business card, and he said, but if you really want to move people, you start stuffing it in my pocket, call me really want to move people call me now that's funny it's a little offensive right at that moment but it's a funny story now but some of the deaths that you experience create deeper wounds on your soul you come to pastor a church hoping to form a team a team that's going to stand against this common enemy the arrows start flying and you start taking arrows and you look around and they're not coming from the enemy, they're coming from your team. People who are your friends, people who are on your leadership team, actually piercing your side, much like Jesus and his team. You come to shepherd souls and your hope is that the people you're shepherding are going to care for the souls of your children and then they wound them. That's a pain, that's a deep pain, it's not simple to walk away from like Jonah when this happens your soul gets buried in the darkness and you're not sure there's a way out and then there's the slow death of a, a dream or a vision that you all talked about today you put all this energy not not just painting a wall but you, you put your heart into painting the wall you put your heart into making a kitchen and yet uh, that dream slowly leaks away and we know it, but it's still hard that in order for God's vision to be accomplished so often, we have to get out of the way. Moses, Jeremiah, Paul, Peter, they all felt that. Fred, I'll never forget the morning of July the 24th when you called and we met and sat on the couch out there. The last thing I expected you to say was, Paul, I'm leaving can't go on will you bear the weight of my congregation and I want you to know I appreciate the humility it takes to say that and I understand the pain and it's a kind of death to have to say it out loud and I know Elaine you share in that death and I want you to know it's been an honor to watch John chapter 12 be visually displayed in these last four months that I've had a front row seat to what it looks like to say I'll be buried in hopes that I won't see it because I'm the seed that's going to get buried but I'm, I'm praying and hoping that through God's providence it'll, there'll be a manifest fruit from this one death 
the way to produce fruit is through dying. It's a divine principle. It's not just for Fred and Elaine. It's for every person here. It's an open invitation. Jesus spreads his arms open wide saying, anyone, everyone can come and have eternal life. But you must be like a seed. There's not another way. It's not like, hey, I'd like the non-seed way to eternal life. No. And, and we have, have we not, just in 2020, how many little deaths have you felt like you've experienced this year? Hopes, dreams, things that you thought were going to get rolling in 2020 have, have fallen off, have, have died in some way. But I want you to know, Fred and Elaine, I want you to know, Congregation Christ Community Church, if it dies, it will produce fruit. That's our hope. That's a promise. It's not, well, let's hope it does. It, this is going to happen. When, when we are dying to Christ, it will produce fruit at some point, in some way. It will bear much fruit. And in the past few years, the past few months, the next few weeks are all part of God's divine plan. It's the way he produces fruit. And we know you all have planted the building. You've planted the land. You've planted all of your emotional energy into the place, your, your prayers, your time, your money. It will bear fruit. One day, as Jesus promised in verse 26, this will happen for Fred and Elaine, and it happens for everybody who dies to their dreams in order for Christ's dreams to be fulfilled. What does it say? You'll stand before the Father, and Jesus will honor you. That's worth dying for. Thank you. On behalf of Christ Community Church, thank you for letting me crawl inside the dark caves of your life for the last four months and just sit with you. And now Christ Community Church, it's our now our role to take this and shepherd it well. However, God may produce fruit. Some things we can imagine, other things that I'm sure God has in plan that we can't imagine. But we can all pray towards what that would be. Fred and Elaine will be in the lobby with the task force if you want to say hello to them, which you will, and ask a question to the task force. Let's pray together. Lord, um, a unique day in the life of Christ Community Church in Trinity. But, but these churches are together make one bride, the bride of Christ. The bride that you're coming back to, to marry forever, eternally. And I pray as we sit here at the seed planting time for Trinity, that as we stand here and water and pray and fertilize, that you would produce something that would be glorifying to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song.